So uh, I, we are coming in this week to um, the third part um, on what Jesus said about money. And, um, you know, when we look at it, money is written about, there's a lot of books about money, right? You can go to a bookstore or look on Amazon and you can look up, you can just put money, books on money. And I bet you there are thousands and thousands of books that tell you how to make money, how to invest money, and all those things. Uh, there are songs that, that are sang about money, right? Uh, there are many of those. There are, it's talked about, there are conferences built on, on the backbone of, of money, right? And how to invest and how to do these things. Um, and the truth is we need money uh, to live in our society. And uh, I mentioned this in the first week that Jesus had a lot to say about money. Um, and the key to this series, again, this is not an investor course. This is not something that's going to, I'm not going to tell you where you need to invest your money and, and this and that. Um, but, uh, but there are some biblical principles when we, when, when we deal with money, if we handle it the way that God has ordained us to handle it, he will bless it. Amen. And so we're, uh, we're going to look at that and how we should live, live it out in our life and in our Christian walk. The great philosopher, Notorious B.I.G., he said this, mo' money, mo' problems, right? And, and sometimes uh, just because you have more money doesn't mean that you, you've got it figured out. America is one of the richest nations in the world, and we got more problems than, than most other nations, right? And we think we can solve everything with money. Um, and listen, I'll say this, God is not, and hear me out, God is not against anybody having money. That is, that if, if anyone has told you any of the otherwise, they're wrong. But he's not against you having money, but God is against money having you. When money is your drive and money is everything that you do, then, then we have come into a place of idolatry. And if we keep money in its rightful place, it can benefit us. It can be a useful tool to us. It can benefit others. And it can also contribute to the building of the kingdom of God. I don't know about you. I'm here to build the kingdom of God. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Um, I'm here to build the kingdom of God. And so uh, in our first week, we talked about money, our priorities. And there's only one place for number one in your life. Right? There's only one place for number one in your life. And, and the scripture says there, Jesus said this, you'll either serve God or serve mammon or money. Okay? Those two things. And so we talked about keeping our priorities right. Number, the second thing we talked about was this, on contentment. And that is just basically uh, being satisfied with our daily supply. Today's supply is enough for today. We talked about the children of Israel and how they had manna and quail. And they could not store up that over a period of time because it would go bad because God had something fresh and God had something new every day. And how many know that God will give you your daily bread? Amen. And he'll do it. So, And we talked about being content with what it was given you. And then the next, uh, that, the next point we talked about in the first week was on faith and what it means to have faith with our money. And, and when there's a lack there's an opportunity uh, for, for belief, simply trust in God, not just, in, um, uh, not just with our souls, but also with our money. Um, you know, Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord God with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Sometimes we lean into our understanding with our billfolds. And I, I mentioned this last week that when I was in Brazil and I got stuck in the jungle, 
no amount of money in my wallet could save me that day because it was worthless in that point. And so there are going to be moments in our lives, there are some things that money can't buy, health, relationships, things like that. And so we talked a little bit about that. So, um, and then uh, this last week we talked about, uh, the next point was this, money and humility. And um, God places a high value on simple things. Man, and I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, money can get in the way of, of any of us walking in humility. Because we can get high-minded and we can think we're better than somebody. And so uh, there's the pitfall that can happen there. Here's the next thing we talked about last week was on wealth. And God is not opposed to anybody being wealthy, okay? But money always wants more from you. The more money you get, the more time that you spend trying to manage that money and things, and it just keeps growing and growing. And, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with having money, but there's a time where it will consume you and take, take everything from you. So here's, and the last point that we talked about last week was on investment. And basically it's this, using your earthly possessions for heavenly purposes. And what, what a gift it is when we have finances that we give back to the Lord, okay? He gives us money. He allows us to make money. Guess what? It's his anyways. We give back to him, and God can bless the remainder that we have. And, um, and how many have, have um, lived that out in your life where... Man, when you give to God, he always gives back, and he always blesses. And I want to challenge you. I mean, we talked about that last week in Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 10. That's the only time in Scripture where God, God says in your finances, hey, try me on this. Try me on this. I dare you. And, don't, and, and watch and see if I will not pour out a blessing on your life. And so tonight we're going to look at uh, the, the next three things Jesus talked about concerning money. Number one is greed. Number two, generosity. And number three, sacrifice. So these are the three words. So on greed, everyone say greed. All right. And if you need a little subheading for this, this is I've been doing these little subheadings to this, is uh, turn the tables uh, on indulgent desires. Turn the tables on indulgent desires. So John 2, 16 in the NIV, um, it says this. It says, to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. How many know this bit of scripture? How many have read this bit of scripture before? This is where Jesus comes into the temple um, pre about a week previous to the week of uh, uh, to him being crucified, he comes into the temple, and they're selling uh, all the all these uh, uh, animals in there, and it's probably one of the ten most memorable moments of Jesus' earthly life and ministry, and he is running out the money changers and in the temple. Um, we like this version of Jesus. We like this this bit of Jesus who just comes in and flips the tables over because we can relate to that. Some of us can relate to that, right? Some of us like to come in angry and just throw the tables over at times. And um, it's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Did you know that? This, this bit of this story uh, is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. It's, it's one of those moments that is significant. And, um, and I think the appeal of this story is to us is that is this showing of righteous anger. And some of us get a little bit too much satisfaction out of that righteous anger, I think, sometimes. 
But uh, oftentimes uh, we show, uh, you know, many times we hear about Jesus, we think of him as a soft, in a soft image. He is caring and he is loving and turned the other cheek. Well, Jesus also turned the tables over in the temple. And when he stood for something, he stood for what is right. And I can't help but think in this time frame, we prayed about it, to have a little bit of righteous anger. Now, I'm not saying go out and do something stupid, uh, you know, over the things that are happening this week. But to to pray and, and to intercede like Jesus would because it, it matters to Jesus. So um, can you imagine Jesus coming in and bullwhipping, taking a whip, throwing over the tables and, and, and just cracking a whip, getting people out of there. That's, that's a bit of Jesus that a lot of us have a hard time conceptualizing. Some of us can be like, I relate to Jesus that way because that's the way I am. And some of us are like, man, I just don't see that. I see the softer side of Jesus. But um, no one, uh, 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 no, uh, Jesus, he's bullwhipping the fat cats of the rel- religiously sanctioned greed there in the temple. He's like, get out. Listen, you guys are wrong. He's overturning tables. He's scattering money and coins and, and loosing the caged animals that they sell for sacrifice. See, this is what is happening there. So you understand the context. He's not just mad because they are there, but he's mad because of the intent. Um, see, these people begin to realize that people would come in for the Passover and people would come in uh, to do this, uh, their sacrifice of atonement. They would do this once a year. And some, somebody got smart. Sometimes people get smart, right, and said, oh, well, these people that are traveling from a great distance, they don't want to bring an animal all the way here. So if we supply an animal that could be sacrificed here, we could sell them an animal at a higher price. It's kind of like going to Disneyland, right? When you get into Disneyland, a soda no longer costs a dollar like it does at the, at the gas station. It costs, what, 4 or $5 all of a sudden, right, because you're trapped and you can't get out. And so somebody in their heart said, this is a place that we can have greed and we can make money in the house of the Lord. And so, um, and so the people here, and, and just to give you a little bit more context here, the people that are coming, they're not allowed to come in with pagan coins into the temple because they have Roman faces on them, which would be idolatry in the temple. So they're not allowed to bring those in. So before they even get into the temple, there are people outside the temple that are making an exchange of currency, okay? Now we're going to make an exchange, and then they come in with this exchange, and then they can buy a dove to, to atone for their sins. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of room, a lot of wiggle room for somebody to make a lot of money there, right? Kind of reminds me, and many of you may know this and may not in church history, of one of the issues that Martin Luther, when he nailed the 95 Theses on the Catholic Church, the reason why is because at that time, the, the, the archbishops and the, and the Catholics, they, they believed that, hey, we will atone your sins if you give us this much money. They knew the rich people that own land could afford it. So if you give us this amount of money, we can atone your sins. And how many know it's not by works that you're saved, amen? And Martin Luther was wise enough to look in the word of God to understand what that means. It's, it's the just shall live by faith, right? It's not by works. It's not the amount of money that we give. But here it, we see this very thing predating what the Catholic Church did, but predating it, people making money in the temple, and this was a primed event for swindling and greed. And they charged large amounts for money for sacrifices 
Thus, greed was driving the price of a proper sacrifice. So it's interesting to me. Um, church beca- had become a good place to make a living. For some people, they came in and they used it as a, as a place to make a living. Well, and Jesus, he came in, he wasn't having this. And you see the intent in his heart. He's, he's upset and, and he turned the tables not because of what they had done to him, but what they had done to his father's house. You've desecrated my father's house. You know, how, how dare you guys do this? In Matthew 21, 13, he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. And, but you make it a, a den of robbers. Okay, as he's overturning these things. And he's, there he's quote, quoting Isaiah, actually. And, and for us, it's easy to go, hey, go Jesus. You are the man. Take him down uh, for your epic takedown of greed. But I can't help but think if we're honest Maybe we aren't doing it in the church, but maybe we have been guilty of taking advantage of people in some things. Didn't want to hear that one, TJ, right? Maybe there are moments where maybe we, we've done things that ill-gotten, and maybe not with the best intent, you know. And, and Jesus would say this, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The Bible says that we are the what? Temple of the Lord. And I wonder if our hearts can be called a house of prayer or if our hearts have been consumed with greed. Now, I, I believe that uh, most everybody here, which I think I know everyone here for the most part, I can't speak for you. But here's the thing. This is what I do know. As believers, we have to take inventory of our heart. God has forgiven us of our sins, but sometimes we need to go back and say, Holy Spirit, Begin to search me. Begin to look at me. Begin to show me if there's greed or if there's any malice or anything going on in my heart. It's good to do that. Every day you ought to get up and say, God, help me today to be the best that I can be. God, help me to say the things I need to say. Well, you may be here and you say, well, TJ, what about, what about this? What about self-interest? Isn't that greed when you do something that, that is beneficial to you? Well, let's just let give you an example. Say you have a car, and you own this car, and, you know, and then you can turn around and sell it for $1,000 more. Isn't that self-interest? Is that greed? Is that, is that something that, that isn't good? Does that mean that if it benefits you, uh, that, that you shouldn't make a buck? Again, Jesus never said that. Jesus never said it was uh, wrong to make money or to have money, but it's important that money doesn't have us. The Bible does, does not condemn the pursuit of legitimate self-interest. Okay, look at this. If you're a note taker, write this down. Philippians 2.4 says this, and it makes it very clear when Paul says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now, there's a check in your heart right there. All right? So I, I love this bit of scripture because this scripture puts us back into perspective. Uh, and, and, and let each of you look not only to his own interest. I can make $1,000 by selling this car, but, but also to the interest of others. And then look at this. This, this uh, professor of a Christian ethics named Scott Ray, he said this about self-interest. He said it isn't unbiblical, but it must be balanced by love for others. It's okay for you to make money. It's okay for you to get ahead. 
But how is your love for others? Is it balanced or is it out of balance? And, um, I, and I love this. Does your love for others match your drive to make money? It's a good question, right? Do you care about others? Do you love them as much as you do your pursuit to make money? So here's, here's, here's a little subheading if you want to write this down. Change for the better. Change for the better. We're going to look at this, this story in Matthew 21, verses 28 29. Jesus tells the parable of two sons. And I love this. I love these parables that I'm, I'm able to pull out that Jesus talks about. A man had two sons, and he told his sons to go work in the vineyard, and, he, and, and one of them uh, uh, he answered it, one of them answered and said, I will, I will not today. But then he thought about it, and he got up and got dressed, and then he went out and worked in the vineyard. How many can relate to that son? You don't want to, but you go ahead, you got dressed, you went ahead and did it because you knew you needed to do it. And then the second son, the father went to him and said, hey, I need you to go work in the vineyard. And he said, I'll go. But then he didn't go and work at all. Anybody have kids on two different ends of the spectrum like that, all right? All right. Now, which one did the father's will? That's what he asked. That's what he asked. The first one. That's right. The first did. And here's the thing. You know, I think sometimes we have good lip service, but our actions don't follow our lip service. God, I'll give you all my life, but don't mess with my finances. God, I'll give you all my life, but don't get into my hobby time. Right? We have good intentions, but, but those things don't match. So uh, they, they answered, the first did. And so um, we, we, if we will let the Holy Spirit search us, I talked about this, like the first son, I see my mistake, I can do better, and I need to change. So um, here's the thing. We have to drop our pride and come in humility and, and courageously begin walking out the call of God in our lives. Okay? That's it. Uh, Asaph, the writer of Psalm 81, he said this. Now, this is how the Lord works. And this is what the Lord says. He's saying to Israel. Now, listen to this carefully. This is a warning to you and to me. This is directed at Israel, but this is for God's people today. Everyone say, this one's for me too. All right. You said it really quietly, but that's all right. He said this. My people didn't listen to me. This is the Lord speaking. They didn't obey me. And this is what he said, talking about Israel, I gave them over to their own stubborn hearts. But if they'd listen to me, I'd quickly subdue their enemies. And I can't help but wonder, sometimes in our lives, if we aren't walking in freedom, it's because of our own stubborn ways. And God's like, hey, I will free you from this. I just need you to, to come in, in some humility here. Tell me that you need me. And you know what? Jesus can turn anything in around in an instance. But here's the key. This is what I've learned. I have to listen and I have to obey. And the Holy Spirit begins to deal with me and say, hey, you've got this going on in your life. You know what my job is, God? Help me to get that out of my life. Help me to be better. God, don't let me, don't let me walk, don't let me do anything that's going to keep your presence from being in my life. So in Luke 16, 10, it says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So Jesus, he's saying this. So if you give someone a little bit, they're going to be faithful in, in a little, in, in when they get much. And one who is dishonest in very little bit, they're going to be dishonest, Right? 
Yes, that's just the, that's the name of the game. And so, and then Jesus, he further drives home his point in the next two verses of this same chapter here in Luke 16, 11, and 12. He says this, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? If you can't be, if you can't be true in an unrighteous wealth, what, what makes you think that you can be entrusted with true riches? Look at this. Verse 12 says this. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? He's talking about being a steward right here, steward of money. Uh, if we, by contrast, are not led by greed and change our attitudes and handling of money, even by taking small, steady, deliberate steps in a positive direction, we can grow We can grow in the blessings of God and in his righteousness and in his principles, not just in finances, but, but in anything. Like, hey, I want, I want to lead a ministry. Well, be faithful in the small thing that God has allowed you to, be, to, to run right now, right? You know why God, uh, there's this perpetual growth that, that God puts us through, and a lot of people don't like the process. Some people don't like the process, and they give up on God because the process. Because here's the thing. Before Moses ever led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he spent 40 years growing up in, in, uh, in the home of Pharaoh, and then he spent another 40 years on the backside of the desert preparing him for when he took the children of Israel out into the Sinai Peninsula. He learned some things on the backside of the desert that would be beneficial to them. And there is a preparation season. Sometimes we struggle with that, right? All of us want to get to the top really fast. And sometimes there's a perpetual thing of growth. I remember my dad told me, and I was like, when I, me and Tristan first got married, and I'm like, Dad, I want to be able to buy, uh, I don't remember, I, a car like yours. And, and he said, listen, he said, he told me this. He knew what I was making at the time. He said, listen. He goes, it is a process to get to that point. He said, don't just try to jump there. Build yourself there. And so uh, that's good advice, amen? And so uh, it, 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 it'll be, uh, and here's, this is the way we have to be. This is what we should say. We ought to say, goodbye greed, hello gratitude. You know what stops greed? Gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have given me. Gratitude, uh, um, understanding that, and put a, and listen. When we say goodbye, greed, hello, gratitude, I can't help but think Jesus looks at us and go, "Oh, he's giving you a good job, TJ." At a boy, right? Uh, gratitude in the Greek comes from the same word. Look at this. Ah, oh, man, this 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 was this just got me. Gratitude in the Greek comes from the same word that we get our word grace from. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I want to walk in God's grace and not in greed in my life concerning money. You know, I begin to think about this. What happened to all those business people that Jesus overturned the tables? We don't ever hear about them anymore. But uh, we do know this, that within a week, Jesus was on trial and put on a cross. Do you think that was just by mistake or do you think that they, they had a plan? Hey, the Lord, you know, Jesus messed up my... My cash cow here. Now imagine this. Imagine if they, they would have adhered to Jesus' righteous anger of correction. And instead of turning towards their greedy ways, they could have experienced uh, what you and I have a privilege of experiencing. The joy of a changed life. 
free of greed. Free, free. I mean, gratitude over greed. Everyone say gratitude over greed. Love for people and balanced in self-interest, okay? I love this. So here's number two right here. And number two, on generosity, on generosity, all right? Um, and if you need a subheading, here it is. Cultivate a give first mentality, all right? Cultivate a give first mentality, all right? You can roll over on your wallets. We're not taking up an offering tonight, all right? Um, all right, look at this. Matthew 10, 8, the second part of this verse says, you received without paying, give without pay. Okay, you received without paying, give without pay. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that in just a minute. I don't know about you guys. I struggle with generosity. Anybody on the same boat as me? Sometimes you just, sometimes you just don't want to be generous, right? Sometimes I, I struggle with that. Um, uh, I have to work at it. It's like when I started playing basketball in fourth grade. I could dribble the ball really good, uh, and I learned to dribble the ball. Well, guess what? When I got to fifth grade, my coach challenged me, and he said, that's cool. You can dribble the ball with your right hand. Now dribble it with your left hand. And he challenged me, and he pushed me, and it was something that I had to work at and practice to get good at. I don't know if I ever got good at it, but I tried my best, all right? So uh, Jesus makes this reference in Luke chapter 5, verse 38. He talks about... Um, new wine and old wine skins, and and I want to just just talk about this old wine skins thinking. Um, and his whole thing is this: you cannot put uh, new wine into old wine skins because old wine skins are wore down, and, and the chemical process that happens when when wine is made it breaks down the old wine skin and it breaks and it bursts and it, it leaves nothing. So uh, when it comes to money, our natural and instinctual thoughts about money. Or whatever we get is ours to keep. Right? Whatever I get, it's mine to keep. I made it. I worked for it. Uh, we should be able to do whatever we want with it, right? Uh, save it for a rainy day. Let everyone else worry about themselves. So it's quiet in here, right? <laughs> but listen, when I begin to think about this, that's old wineskin thinking, a combination. Listen, I'm not saying this is bad, but this, there's a combination of greed There's a combination of distrust there, a combination of worry, a combination of discontentment with touches of a little bit of bitterness and anger. It's mine, me, me, don't worry about anybody else, right? And honestly, when you think about those things, when you put it in that perspective, that that seems like an old wineskin mentality, right? Um, uh, A wineskin that is weathered and cracked. Uh, truth is, you can amass a great deal of wealth doing, doing things that way. And you can leave your life and live your life like Ebenezer Scrooge. How many friends did that guy have? One who was dead, right? And honestly, uh, and, and that was the payoff for his life. So here's the thing. How do, how do we change our mentality? How do, we, how do we change our hearts to being more generous? So look at this. It starts with a giving heart. Okay. Number one, it starts with a giving heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 42. To give to one who asks you and don't turn away from one who wants to borrow from you. Man, I wish I didn't know that verse. Right? All right, look at this. Luke 12, 33 says this. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Ooh, mm, I don't like that one either. 
All right, Jesus, you're just you're 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 shooting a hundred here, right? Uh, Matthew ten forty two reminds us to give a cup of cold water to one one of these little ones, and so when we do that, okay, here's another one. Uh, Matthew ten eight, you receive free of charge, give free of charge. And there he's talking to the disciples. He's telling them, hey, you've been, you've been given grace, so, and, and you've been freed, so you need, I'm sending you out, so you need to do this. So, so seeing and doing these Christ-centered things, God-honoring generosity um, doesn't fit into our old mindsets, doesn't fit into my selfish mindset. It, it goes against the grain, right? And here's what I'm, this is my struggle. I, I fight with this constantly within myself because it's the kind of thinking, honestly, it, it bugs me. It isn't natural for me to be wanting, want to just be generous to people at times. The Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit ever stopped you and when you were going to, you know, somebody came and was like, hey, can, can you give me some money? Can you give me a handout? And you thought, no way am I giving you a handout. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to give them what's in your wallet. And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't like that generous spirit. Right? How many of you struggle with that? How many of how many of you have done that in your life? I've done that in my life where I knew, like the Holy Spirit told me, hey, you need to give this person what's in your wallet right now. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. I struggle with that. I'm just being honest tonight. And we, we fight this constantly within ourselves because it's our old old wineskin mentality, and it bugs us. It's, it's, it's been said that we have two hands. One to give to others and one to work for ourselves. And I begin to think about that and I think, man, that is loving my neighbor as myself. Amen? I, I mean, I know this is challenging. I know this is, this is, this is, man, this is tough. This is tough on a seasoned, seasoned Christian, right? Because this puts a little burr underneath your saddle. I was just riding along for Jesus real good. And now you're going to get underneath my, my crawl like that? Oh, but, uh, and, and so sometimes the Lord tells us to give generously, and we don't want to do it. And can I tell you something? When the Lord tells us to give generously, and we don't do it, that's not a winning combination for us. It's not. We, we've, we've missed the ball. We've fumbled the ball. Um, but for just a second, imagine walking in this freely, and God using you in a major way to do something amazing. I mean, uh, generosity is not just money. Sometimes it's resources that we have. Maybe you have a, a, a lawnmower and you can go cut your widow neighbor's grass to make it easier on her. You know what? That's generosity, right? What about this? What about it's the time Oh, this is one that's going to step on everybody. It's the time that you have. You know what? I found I found this out. If you go to um, like a nursing home, you know why those people want to talk to you forever? Because nobody ever goes and sees them. That's being generous with your time. Hey, I, I've come to let you know I value you. I love you. I'm here to say spend time with you. Um, um, and I'm learning this. I'm learning this in my life. You don't have to be rich to be generous. All right? You do not have to be rich to be generous. Uh, Alan Cohen, he said this about money. Money is but one venue of generosity. Kindness is an even more valuable currency. Yeah. Sometimes just being nice to somebody 
Oh, what about this? When you know your waiter is having a very tough time waiting tables. And, and man, I'm just going to say this. Right now, the restaurant industry is struggling to keep people working for them, okay? Have a little bit of mercy concerning your waiters and waitresses. Love on them. Show them a little bit of kindness. Give them a little bit of grace. I don't know where that came from, but I just thought I'd share that with you. Um, a giving heart is foundational picture of God's heart. A giving heart is foundational, and it's a picture of God's heart. And guess what? That's what our heart should be. God, I want to be like you, so help me, Lord. Help me to have a giving heart. God gave his son for who? Oh, the Lord's a giver. Um, how many can say that was generous? Thank you, Jesus. That was generous. Giving is, the cent is central to the gospel. Maybe that's why it's hard to let go of our resources and our money and our time and, and whatever it is. Giving starts with a giving heart. It does. And Jesus taught us to have a giving heart for the hurting. Sometimes that's not easy. And sometimes that's tough. You know, Jesus, he stepped ashore, and he had compassion on the multitude, and they began to heal their needs, and he began to touch their lives. So the disciples are there, and they're like, hey, Lord, it's getting late. We need to send these people to town so they can eat. And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. We're going to feed them here. And they're like, what? We've got this much in our treasury. We're going to have to go buy a lot of bread to feed these people. And Jesus is like, I've got this. Take it easy, right? And, and, and with that, Jesus, they're, 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 you know, we say this. We're like, we have the disciple mentality. God, their problem is not our problem. We got enough bread for us. Our, their problem is not our problem, right? How many are guilty of that? Man, we walk by people all the time that are in need, and they're struggling, and we walk right past them. Their problem is not my problem. We pass them on the street when we're in Bloomington, and they're sitting there begging on their problem is not my problem, right? I know that's tough, right? But here's, here's the next subheading is this, pure giving. Everyone say pure giving. I love this. This is one of my favorite stories in the scripture. In Luke 10, it talks about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is the, this is the purest example of generosity. I believe one of the purest pictures of generosity. And, and if you don't know this, I'll just kind of break it down. A man was traveling down the Jericho Road and was robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And so the first person that comes by is, is the priest. And the priest, um, honestly, it would be the, like the pastor. Here he is coming by. I see someone that has a need, but I am so busy doing what I have to do that I miss the need, okay? So the priest, who was probably busy doing priestly things, couldn't be bothered by this man. I can't be bothered by this. Matter of fact, I can't even touch this man. Matter of fact, I'm going to go to the opposite side of the road because I can't even afford for this guy to touch me because that will make me ceremonially unclean. And he's more concerned about everything else he's got to do. And I can't help but think I get busy doing the ministry sometimes that I miss the ministry that's right in front of me. And every day I pray, God, please don't let me miss those moments. Please don't let me miss those moments. And maybe he said this, you know, and I, we've done this. We've been on our high horse before and said, 
how serve that person right. Maybe what did they do to get in that situation? What have they what have they done? They made bad decisions. They did this. They did that. And 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 we we've, we've seen them begging, and we've we've said that they deserve that. What decision did they did they make to get to that place? And honestly. I can't say that I'm perfect, but I can tell you this. There's been moments where I've had to say, God, forgive me for having that mentality. Forgive me, God. That's, a, that's from a place of pride. It's not humility. So the next one is this, the Levite, akin to what we would call like a social worker in our day. Maybe not the, the pastor, but maybe a, well, I'll, I'll get it down to earth here, maybe a board member or maybe a ministry leader. Uh, and, and, and I can't help but think the Levite, when he went by, he thought, well, maybe this is a trap. You know, I, a lot of people get mugged on this road, and maybe this is a trap. If I help this guy, they're going to jump out, and they're going to they're gonna rob me, and, and this isn't going to benefit me. And oftentimes, listen, some of us, we want to help, but our fear keeps us from helping at times. Because we're scared, and it's all about self-sustaining. I can, but, but, but you know, it's about me. Here, so here's the last one, the Samaritan. I love this. And can I tell you something? I love this. this the, the, the Samaritan had generosity in his DNA. He did. He just did because he acted. He didn't think about it. He just saw the need. I shouldn't help this person. This person is a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. They hate us. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They didn't, they didn't get along with them. They didn't like them. Um, matter of fact, you know, they, they, they used certain words for them that, that were not nice, and they didn't see, uh, the Jews didn't see them as, as a good people. And, but, but this is what the Samaritan does. I, I, it doesn't matter. There's a need here. This person's hurting here, and I can do something about it. I love this. And he binds up his wounds, and he pours oil and wine in his wounds. And he elevates the man. And puts him on his, his beast is what the scripture says. Something that he had been enjoying earlier coming down the road, riding this beast. But he elevated that man to where he was. And he began to take that man to an inn. And he got him a room. And he told the innkeeper there, hey, take care of this man. And I'll, I'll pay for what I need to pay for now. And if there's more, I'll come back and I'll take care of this. He was generous at heart. The Samaritan had the heart of God. Didn't matter what the person looked like. Didn't matter what social economic background it was. He said, I, I want to have the heart of the Lord. So, so when should I be generous? And some of you are waiting on the call of God. But I, but I will tell you this. I've heard this my whole life. The need is the call. If you see a need, you've been called to touch that need. Plain and simple. Some of us are waiting for a crow to fly by and God to, you know, to tell us or, you know, Woody Woodpecker will show up and tell us what we need. Whatever the case, I, some of us are expecting that. But God's like, hey, there is a need right here in front of us. And we have to be discerning as the people of God and say, God, do you want me to touch this need right now? Do you want me to love on this person? Does this person need me to just take a few moments to pray with them, to love on them? And this man needed help, and this Samaritan man, he answered the call. And can I tell you something? Generous living is the heart of God. God gave his son for us. That's generous. We should give towards others. Uh, John Wesley, which I, there's some consternation on if he said this or didn't say this. I don't know. Uh, I think it's pretty good either way. He said this, I think. He said, uh, do, 
Do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all of the souls you can in every place you can in all the times you can with all the zeal you can as long as you ever can. That means that there is always a chance for you to be generous with the love of God that God has given you. Be generous. You've got this hand to work. You've got this hand to love others. Amen. And so let's live generously. God, I say this. God, stretch me. God, stretch my thinking. Stretch, stretch me, Lord. Put new wine. Stretch, stretch this skin out. Create into me, Lord, a new wine skin so I can experience this generosity that you've given me towards everyone. Everyone say be generous. All right, next one. On sacrifice. All right, if you need a subheading for this one. Give to people who can't pay you back. I was okay with being generous, but I don't know if I like this one. Give to people who can't pay you back. Luke 14, 14 says this. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. All right? Generosity and sacrifice, they go hand in hand. Um, Speaking about inviting people to a dinner party here in this verse, Luke 14, 14, Jesus is saying, don't just invite people who can pay pay you back or scratch your back or give you something in return. Um, There's been times where I, I have to give generously. And there have been times where I had to give sacrificially. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, sometimes I have the surplus to give. Praise God. And sometimes Lord says give, and he's checking my heart to see where my heart is. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I have that right now. And God's saying, are you trust me or are you not going to trust me? Amen. I, I love that. So when we give sacrificially, we may not see the return on it in this life. I'm reminded of something my mom always told me. And, um, and I love it because it simply, she always told me this. She said, TJ, God is a good bookkeeper. There's been times in my life where I thought, I didn't get the recognition that I deserve. Or I didn't get paid to do this. And I would go crying to my mom, and my mom would say, God is a good record keeper, TJ, and don't you forget that. And though someone else may not notice, he sees what you've done. And the things that you build up in this life, listen, the things that we do sacrificially, he, he sees. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive that is due for what he has done in, in the body, whether good or evil. So on that day, God's gonna, he's going to take note. Hey, I saw that you did that, TJ. Good job. Jesus here, he's criticizing the, the, the Pharisees in Luke 14, 14 about who they're inviting. And, and, and because they're only inviting people that can scratch their back. Hey, you come to my party. And, and we'll work a business deal. It, we work together. As the old saying goes, you know, here's the thing. The chicken makes a contribution to eggs and bacon, but the pig makes the sacrifice. Right? And I think sometimes we're okay with the contribution, but we struggle with the sacrifice. Matter of fact, Jesus told us to be living sacrifices. And the problem with living sacrifice is when we lay it on ourselves on the altar, we like to get up. Just saying. 
And so anyway, so as the old, uh, 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 their um, adventures in giving. So I'll just give you this, some adventures in giving. Um, Jesus, just days away from his trial that he would, would lead him to the cross, is sitting in the temple courts, most likely in the court of women because it was the furthest place that women could go into to the temple. Um, and so they were in this area. And Jesus, also in this area, there were um, the sepulchers where they would, uh, these treasury chests that they would put out where they would collect money for the, for the uh, treasury of the, the temple there. And they were located there. There were 13 chests that contained fluted metallic opening shaped like a trumpet on the top. And so when they would give their offerings, they would take their coins and it would clank on that brass and clank, 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 you know. And it would, it would make a noise. And so Jesus being there in the temple seeing these people drop their money in. Can you imagine it echoing the clank, 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 clank really loud there in that moment? And he's watching these people. And it's interesting to me uh, that he, when he's doing that, the, the clang would echo through the courts and, as if to say, cha-ching, right? When we hear cha-ching, most of us perk up. Hey, I know what that means, right? Some of the old people that know the old, the old school not not the not the new electronic stuff uh, cash cashier thing so um but in that moment the rich were dropping coins in and lots of them but i love this jesus i i love jesus he's so attentive he's so paying attention to things going on i'm glad that he's a god that sees the little things as much as the big things but jesus zeroing his eyes in on a widow woman mark 12 tells us that she dropped two tiny coins and, and worth very little value, no big cha-ching, no major echo, just a little ting-ting. But Jesus has got his eyes. He's honed in on her. And, and just a little ting-ting, nothing heavy, uh, no major currency being dropped. But her gift was not lost. And Jesus motioning to his disciples, I believe, says, hey, I assure you, this poor widow was put in more than all these other people in the temple treasury. Why? Because they gave out of their surplus. But she, she gave sacrificially. She gave all that she had. And, and uh, they gave out of their surplus. She gave out of her poverty and put everything that she had possessed. She just gave it to, to the temple that day. The rich contributed, but she gave sacrifice. They gave eggs. She gave bacon. I'm not that I'm calling her a pig or anything like that. A sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that cost us something. I'm, I'm blown away by the giving of our church in the last month for, for missions. I'm blown away by that. And thank you for your giving. But a sacrifice is something that cost us. It may mean you may have to give up your morning ritual of a coffee so you can give a little bit more to a missionary in Iraq. And you'll never know the impact of what you give to them and how it may affect their ministry. Uh, another sacrifice that we can look at was Zacchaeus after he had an encounter with Jesus. You remember that story. I won't go into all of it. Um, but after his encounter with Jesus, he told Jesus, he said, I'm going to give you half of my money and I'm going to I'm going to sell half my possessions and I'm going to give it to the poor and matter of fact I, I'm going to go back to anybody that I've wronged and I'm going to give them four times the amount of money that that I've wronged them 
making retributions and, and, and making it right. What, what a change in Zacchaeus. Just an encounter with Jesus changed his whole perspective. A rich man going beyond normal worship, n- normal gratitude and generosity. He's, his heart is just like the poor widow. He's, he's giving it all. He's throwing it out there. Both sacrificed, one with a lot and one with nothing, right? And he's calling us. See, this is what I know. It's kind of like when we get to the edge of the pool, right? Before you jump into the pool for the first time, it's May. Some of you may be getting ready to get into the pool. Water's still a little bit cold, right? Not quite warm yet. And you're always a little anxious to jump in, right? And this is, this is that moment of faith for us. We're on the edge of the pool sometimes, and we're about to give sacrificially, and we're like, ooh, that's cold. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. But the Lord's telling us, hey, hey, he's calling us to the edge. See, the problem is this kind of teaching is uncomfortable, right? You guys are really quiet tonight. It's uncomfortable to all of us because it challenges us. And it challenges our thinking. Um, and, it, and it presses us and it makes us reevaluate our hearts. It does. Even me, even pastor. Um, I, I'm amazed, at, at, like I said, at the generosity of our church. Over the last six weeks, six, six roofs, six roofs, we've put on, we're, we're going to, they're going to be able to put on churches in Guatemala. That is amazing. And some of you may have given sacrificially, not knowing how it was going to, how you were going to make it, but you did it. And let me tell you something, God, God is, God is up to something and I love it. And if God lays it on your heart to give someone something, just do it. Don't fight it. Just, just do it. Just don't fight it. Sacrificial giving may mean we may never see the return on, on investment in this life. We may see it later on in heaven. Uh, souls that get saved in those churches in Guatemala, we may never see here, okay? Or children being taught school there during the day, okay? We may not see that. Or here's another one. Doctors and nurses coming into those churches to do health checkups and give kids shots to make sure that they're healthy or dentists coming in and doing work on their those are those are things that happen in those churches constantly but you had a small part in that and that's amazing I I will say this um I've learned a lot in this life that I've lived and one of the things that I've learned is you cannot outgive God you try it he'll blow you away Anytime that you, you give to the Lord, he always gives. If you give in the right heart, the right attitude, and, and honestly, God will blow your mind. When he puts it on your heart, I'm not trying to say, hey, you should give. I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you don't give or this. If the Lord puts it on your heart, give and watch God do amazing things with, with what he's doing. The verse I started with reminds me that God will not overlook what his servants have carried out in love and mercy, including our time including our resources and our finances. Sacrificial giving is the toughest because we're truly uh, placing it in God's hand. And I don't know how this is going to work out for me, but here you go. And I can't help but think, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave sacrificially his son knowing that there were people in this world that would not accept that gift. Think about that for a moment. It's amazing that God loved us enough that he would, he would do that. 
God gave the ultimate sacrifice. So, so God, we, we say this, God evaluate our hearts. Number one, if there's greed, help me. Help me to walk in gratitude and, and, and contentment towards my daily supply and needs. Number two, Lord, help me to live generously. How many want to live generously? Lord, I, I want to be as generous with what I have as I can. Lord, help me to be a blessing to others. Lord, help me not to have a selfish mentality. God, help me in my time, my resources, my money. Matter of fact, uh, there's a reminder in Proverbs eleven twenty four that says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Okay, you ought to circle that one, put that one up, and, uh, you know, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. So God, you see, and why does that work? God's economy is not like our economy. He's not, he's not contained by our man-made walls. God can blow those walls out. And I want to be more generous, amen? I want to have the heart of God. Teach me, Lord, to give sacrificially. This one's a tough one, right? This one's a tough one. Uh, not just out of surplus. Sometimes from a tough place in my heart, God, this, uh, this is not easy. This is challenging for me. And I say, God, challenge me, make me better. Help me as a people and help us as a church, God, and help us to, to do what's right, Lord, with what you've called us to do and help us to be good stewards of what you've given us. And, and knowing that, we can say this, God, you are a good bookkeeper. Lord, we're just going to trust you through it all. Amen. How many can say, hey, I, I, I've been, I am challenged by this. I, I'm challenged by this. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. You know how I could get up here and speak on the love of Christ all day long. These kind of things press us and they push us. Because I don't know about you, God is still turning me into the man of God that he wants me to be. And every day I, I say, God, help me, help me to be more like you. God, and help me to hide me. God, God I pray, Lord, that that my attitude would be like your attitude. Lord, when I see someone in need, Lord, that I would be discerning to enough to know, God, hey, maybe I'm supposed to be the Samaritan in this person's life. Maybe I'm supposed to be the person, rather than just go by judging and being the priest or the Levite, but God, help me to be generous and help me to be sacrificial in those moments. I just want to say this. I appreciate every one of you, and I love you, and I I want to tell you, I, I thank you for your giving, honestly. And I, I didn't, I'm not doing this series just because nobody is giving. I want to tell you this. Our church is at a place where we are, we are blessed. And God is, God is blessing us. And God has done amazing things. And God will continue to do amazing things. Amen. I, I, this is me. I just want to be obedient to what he's called me to do. And I want to do the best, be the best steward of what he's given to me. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word tonight. God, I ask, Lord, that you would just uh, let this word challenge our hearts. God, it's not easy because, Lord, sometimes these things just come up and, and, and just kind of look us in the eyes. God, maybe these, these words, Lord, touch us in places that we need to get better at. That's okay, Lord. Your word is there. Lord, you are patient with us. God, you are long-suffering, God. God, as we get up every day, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us not be consumed with greed, but learn contentment and humility, God, in what you've given us. God, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to be more generous as a people. God, and as we are generous, Lord, to the hurting, Lord, to the disenfranchised, to those who are struggling, God, Lord, you would be glorified 
through us, Lord, that you would use us how you see fit, God. Use our resources how you see fit, Lord, that you might get the glory, Lord, that, that some may come to know you through this, God. Lord, you gave generously your son. God, I also, Lord, ask you, Lord, to help us to give sacrificially in our lives. God, maybe the toughest of all when you have to give all that you have. But God, I pray, Lord, that you begin to tug at our hearts, Lord, and teach us when that time is right, when we should and when we shouldn't. Lord, that you would lead and guide us in all things. God, I pray, Lord, you bless everyone here. God, I pray you go with us to the next appointed time. Lord, that you would bless every person in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that you uh, just let us have a good week. Let the weather be good the rest of this week. And God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You are.